Hello and welcome to the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Booth, and I've been a clinical hypnotherapist since 2011. I specialise in helping people overcome anxiety and build confidence instead. This weekly podcast will cover a wide range of mental health issues related to anxiety, along with some helpful tips and suggestions that you can try at home. If you have any questions that you'd like answered in a future episode, then please head to www.anxietytoconfidence.com forward slash podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode and another episode of my 2021 guest series. This week I'm joined by Nikki from Resilience at Work and this is a really, really interesting episode. We talk about quite a few different aspects of resilience, confidence and leadership skills as well. This is because Nikki specialises in helping people develop their own resilience. That can be because they're struggling at work or because they're struggling in their personal life. And she does this by running workshops where people can experience outdoor activities that maybe push them slightly so that they can learn that resilience in a practical way, which they can then apply later on in their life. Nikki also has her own podcast as well. It's called the Everyday Adventure Podcast, and I would strongly recommend that you go check it out once, of course, you have listened to this particular episode. This was a really interesting episode to make and Nikki's a fantastic person to talk to. She has a qualification in occupational psychology and is very, very knowledgeable about the processes that go on when we have anxiety and what we can do about that. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode and I really hope that you find something useful that you can learn from it. So yeah, I'll start off by saying um, a really big thank you for taking the time to come and chat with me. Um, I know we met quite a while ago now, back when we could do business networking. Uh, and I remember at the time being quite excited about what you do. Um, so for those listening, I'm joined today by Nikki, who runs a company that specialises in helping people improve their resilience. So I was wondering, Nikki, if you'd like to give us a bit of information about what it is that you do. Yeah, sure. It's, it was brilliant to be here. Thank you for inviting me so much. Yeah, my company is called Resilience at Work, um, and I specialise in helping people to build individual resilience as distinct from organisational resilience. I know it's used in a lot of different contexts, but a lot of the work I do actually is um, I find individual resilience really interesting because often it's not really about it's partly how we manage and cope with difficult situations, but it's also about the support network that we have around us. So I always try and look in at people's resilience in the context of where they are and that side of things. Um, but yeah, so we um, work with individual clients, we work with organisations, building teams, um, providing leadership support as well. So a whole, a whole range of different activities. But a little bit about my background. So I'm a former army officer. I was in the army for 17 years. Um, what I, I try to do, COVID permitting, um, the aim is to get people outside um, and taking part in adventure sports, adventure activities and really testing their, their comfort zones and their limits and, and seeing you know, what they're capable of really and then bringing that back into the workplace and then all lives in difficult situations. Wow, okay, so what kind of activities are we talking? How adventurous do you go? Um, so it ranges really. One of my favourites is I love surfing and co-steering, so taking people jumping off rocks, that's amazing. Um, but if we can't get down to the coast, so if, if I'm working with clients inland, then we'll do things like high ropes, um so 
uh, a little bit like I can't remember what the company's called monkey something monkey where they where they basically go up and do a high ropes course um and also trust exercises so sometimes the the activity itself doesn't look that daunting but you put a blindfold on somebody and ask someone to guide them around that they don't know very well and often people find that that's that's one of the most challenging exercises they do because they have to put total trust in someone but it's very much aimed that it's not about just it's not just for people who are consider themselves to be adventurous or who like taking parts in adventure sports the idea is that everybody has a comfort zone and your comfort zone might be you know stepping off the first rung of a ladder it might be getting to the top of a very high you know a high pole or you know dangling off a rope um but the idea is that to physically just take yourself not to the point where you're panicking but just to the point where you're feeling a bit uncomfortable um, and testing what you're capable of because I find that when you do that in a physical sense actually you can translate that so much more easily than say telling people on a powerpoint or in front of a, a classroom actually you've experienced it you know what that feels like and then you go back and go okay so I managed to do that I, I was able to stand on the top of that pole or I was able to jump off that rock and I never believed I could I wonder what else I can do that I didn't think I could um, and that all contributes towards your confidence and your resilience. I know from personal experience how it can be terrifying doing things like that. But then afterwards, you really do feel not only a sense of relief because you've managed to do whatever it was that you're trying to do, but also like this lasting sense of if I can do that, if I can make myself do that, then actually there's there's maybe more to me than I realised. Um, so I did a bungee jump back in my early 20s and I really don't like heights. And for me, it was horrendous at the time, but it's always been something afterwards that I've said, well, if I can do that bungee jump, then I can take on this talk or I can take on this presentation or whatever else it is that I'm feeling a little bit unsure about. Totally. And, that, and that's exactly it in the end. And I guess that partly came from my personal experience as well. I know when I've done those sort of things um, and often you know it's not the things that you can do that you think actually I really enjoy this and I'm comfortable in doing it and it doesn't matter how sort of extreme it's the things that you do you're just like oh my like you said when you're afraid of heights or you know it's it's something that you feel that you'd never normally be capable of like you said then it's always a place you go back to going wow you know and I think those are places that when we actually we're struggling or we're lacking confidence or we're feeling that, that things are really difficult, that times are really difficult, reminding ourselves that, that we could do things, that we could get through difficult times and challenging situations and places where we felt very uncomfortable and didn't know how we were going to manage it. We found a way to manage it, even if it was just managing those feelings of, you know, fear and anxiety and what, you know, what, how am I going to do this? Um, I think it just, you know, it, it it's, it's a different context, obviously, to, like you said, giving a presentation or, you know, <laughs> or, or any challenges we might face in sort of day to day life. But I think the emotions that we experience are often very similar. And like you said, it just gives you something to hold on to and go, yeah, I did that. So people who've listened to my podcast a lot will know that I do get very geeky about anxiety um, and what it is. And I talk a lot about the fight or flight response, which I have definitely felt in moments of physical fear as well as kind of more mental fear, I guess. Uh, so things like giving presentations, we have the same reaction to as if 
we were potentially in a life-threatening situation mm. so one of the things that I love working with with clients is things like having a fear of giving presentations because we get to test their resilience at the end of their treatment process and it's amazing when they come back so excited that they were able to do this thing that maybe like a couple of months before they were so scared of it that they were maybe planning to avoid it or planning not to do it mm. so the people that go through um experiences that you provide them what kind of things are they often struggling with beforehand so I mean, it, it, it depends on whether they come as an individual client or they come as a as part of an organization. But I would say generally working with you know clients from organizations, they're struggling with most of the things that people, you know, struggle with in the workplace, whether it is about their own personal development and where they see themselves going. They might be feeling stuck within their careers. Um, they might be anxious about how to take the next step but then there is also an element around how they work within their teams managing you know uh, whether they're struggling with managers whether there's a huge workload and, and I would say the the biggest commonality for pretty much every client I work with is the amount of work that they're being asked to do and the lack of time in which to do it and you know and that, that those demands only increase and how that they can balance that out with with wanting a home life, wanting a personal life, wanting to do the things that they love. Um, and I would say that's probably the common thread from pretty much everyone I speak to. It, it's how, and I hate using the word balance because it's never a balance, but it's, but it's a, because I always say, you know, some things are going to take precedence at different times, um, but it's a, it's how you, I think how you incorporate all of those different elements of your life and get them to work in a way that works for you and for everyone that looks different. So yeah, I'd, I'd say that's probably the, and probably the biggest source of anxiety, I think for most people who, who I work with. Yeah, definitely workload can be a really stressful thing for people and often the inability to say no. So they'll feel obliged to do maybe more than their fair share. Um, certainly particular types of people that can be quite a difficult thing. So the experiences that you provide, is that about giving them the bravery to kind of say no or to draw boundaries where it's useful to them? Yeah, definitely. I think it's about, you know, because ultimately it sort of comes down to the confidence. And when I use confidence, I use it quite caution, <laughs> with caution because it's not about, you know, I think often confidence can be used to see sort of outward confidence and projecting yourself in a certain way but I think it comes back to that sort of internal self-esteem in a way to feel that your needs are as important as the organizations or as anyone else within that organization um, and I think so I think whatever it is that you're struggling with I mean when we're doing the experiences the physical experiences um, we'll also be exploring the psychology behind what they're experiencing um, and like you said talking about you know how fear manifests itself um, how the story we tell ourselves about ourselves and what we are what we're good at what we're not good at what what we're capable of doing um, so I think you know the, the the experience the physical experience gives us an interesting way to explore then the psychology I think yeah, that sounds fascinating. And I know from experience with clients, they often have very strong opinions about what they can and quite specifically what they can't do. 
often without any real evidence of whether or not that's true. So it sounds like a great way to really challenge that, because I imagine there are things that you do with people where they think there's no way I could do that. And then when they learn to overcome that, it almost challenges that self-belief a little bit in their head. And maybe they start to think then, well, if I could do that, then what else have I been telling myself I can't do when actually I probably can do? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And I think it's massive in the end. I mean, I think the difficulty is that internal monologue will often be very deep rooted um, and will come from previous experiences. It will come from all sorts of different areas. So, you know, for some people to unpick that, it's it, it's a huge and, you know, and a lifetime undertaking. But I think there's there's stuff that we can all do to at least recognize when we do hear that voice when you know that, that that inner critic gets louder than perhaps it would do if we were speaking to a friend um and and I think particularly for people who are high performers and who are used to operating at a certain level um the fear of failure and the seem that or what they perceive as failure their fear of being seen to not achieve the standards that they've set for themselves can be really you know, and that's in a way what can lead to the burnout or can lead out to that, you know, huge stress at having such a big workload because they're worried at being seen as somebody who can't cope. Um, so I think that narrative about this equals this, if, I, you know, if I, if I don't, if I don't take on everything that is being thrown at me, this how means I'm not capable of doing it or, you know, and conversely, if I, you know, if I do take on this new project that's being thrown at me and I don't really, you know, I don't really know how it's going to go, um, that means that, you know, that there is, that I'm not capable of doing it. I think there are multiple narratives we can have going on at any one time. Um, and often the work I do is very much about, actually, can you just start to, start to separating that, start to hear them, start to acknowledge when, I suppose that narrative isn't always kind or isn't always serving you Um, because then I think once you're at that place then you've already started to do a bit of the work about how you think about changing it. Yeah so your activities presumably just give people a small amount of evidence that maybe their narrative isn't quite right all of the time. Absolutely I mean I think that and that's where I think that the physical activities are so powerful because I think even if somebody you know I've ran a um a co-steering activity um it was a, probably a couple of years ago now and I remember one of the clients you know she 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 didn't even want to get off the rock you know it was like she could just about climb down into the water from the rock um and she was like I can't do this this is not me this is not something I've ever done under you know and and then for the last rock she jumped off and it wasn't huge I mean it was probably about the size of my table looking at it but to her that that evidence that she could do it you know that the just that moment of going wow having having told herself the whole way around quite quite loudly that you know this wasn't possible suddenly it was possible and I think when you find that things are possible that you previously believed weren't um that's really transformational that moment because it opens up so many other possibilities so I think you're right I think it's it's quite hard when we're in the moment of day-to-day life to pick up that evidence and carry that with us and sometimes we need to be able to step outside of that 
um, and get a different perspective and also be surrounded mm -hmm. by people going, yeah, you can, I believe you can do this, not pushing you saying you must do this or, you know, if you don't do this, this is, this is what it means, but just going, you know, if you don't do it, it's fine. You know, that because a lot of it is also about exploring actually what happens if you don't jump off the rock or get to the top or whatever it is. But actually, if you want to give it a go, this is a safe space to try it. And once you've done that, you've got the evidence you can do it again. So, yeah, no, definitely. You touched a little bit on confidence, but we're a little reticent to describe confidence as something that is kind of outward. So I wanted to chat a little bit about what confidence is to you. Um, yeah, so because I think I think confidence is an interesting one because, uh, you know, I think our confidence is situational partly. I think ex certainly external confidence, that sort of whether we feel okay to speak up, whether we feel okay to put our forward, ourselves forward to something that will all be combined with, you know, whether our levels of experience, the support we're receive, receiving within that particular environment. Um, so to label, you know, yourself or others as confident or not confident, I think is, you know, is problematic. And I think often we consider people to be confident when often they are masking something sort of internally. Um, so I suppose my perspective on confidence is in a way it's, it's that quiet voice inside of you that's going, it'll be okay that somehow you may not have a clue what's going on. It might feel totally foggy and, impossible to manage but there's somewhere somewhere deep inside you there, there is a sort of this little voice that's going it's okay you'll find a way it, it, it'll be okay um, and I think if you've got that that's really the nub of, of what resilience is because it's it's not about knowing the answer and it's not about getting things right all the time and it's not about digging in and keeping on going when you know, it's really just about being able somewhere to hook into that place that says it'll be okay. You'll find a way through this. It's a conversation that I, I love having with clients because one of the first things we talk about is what is confidence? What is confidence to you? And we'll start out by making a list of those characteristics. And you can almost guarantee that to begin with, it'll be kind of quite stereotypical in terms of confidence. And it'll be outward things and it'll be things that demonstrate to others that we think we're confident. And then as we start to pick them apart a little bit, we start to kind of delve down into confidence and what confidence really means to me as a person. And then it becomes a bit more of a unique thing, which I always really, really like. Mm. And I know that for me personally, my confidence is quite quiet. I'm quite a quiet person. I'm quite an introverted person. And for me, that's absolutely okay because that's what I'm comfortable with. And sometimes it's having the confidence in situations to say, this is uncomfortable for me, or I'm not very good in these situations. I'm gonna to need to ask somebody else what the best thing to do is. So for me, confidence is very much around understanding yourself, accepting all the different parts of yourself. But as you said, knowing that deep down it's okay in this situation and you'll find a way through it definitely and I think yeah I mean that that's so true I think like you said I mean everyone people display it in different ways people have a different way of navigating different situations and, and I think your point there about actually the confidence to say I don't I don't have this right now or I don't understand or I don't know the answer and I think particularly when I you know when I'm working with leaders that's 
I think absolutely fundamental to being a good leader to be able to say that nah, I don't know the answer. Um, and I don't know if any of us have the answer. And right now this might feel really difficult and maybe none of us have a clue what's happening. Um, but I trust you and I trust myself that we'll find a way through this. And every, if anyone's got any ideas or help, brilliant. Um, I think there's something really really powerful about being able to own not knowing and to be able to sit with feeling uncomfortable and I think being able to sit with feeling uncomfortable and not feeling you've got to come up with an answer there and then um, is is absolutely yeah it is really what confidence is about as well can you can you stay with with the with the fog in a way um, and, and work your way through yeah amazing I think lockdown has made a lot of people reevaluate what confidence is in a way because we've been in a situation now all of us where we don't have control over so much of it and I think it has really made people realize that it's okay to say I'm not sure what to do in this situation I'm not sure what's best I'm not sure how to manage my work anymore I'm not sure how to do all this but what we'll do is we'll just find a way and we'll try things and then we'll see what works definitely um and I think I mean, lockdown has been such an interesting experience. And I mean, I'm used to working from home. <laughs> it's, you know, I can certainly, um, homeschooling a couple of wayward feral children has definitely been an interesting challenge. Um, but I think what it what it's forced, certainly for me, and you know, for a lot of the clients I speak to, is like you're you're there's nowhere to run to, there's nowhere to escape to. You can't put it to one side and be distracted by what's going on in the office or by the travel or whatever else is going on you're very it's very confronting in a way all of those those issues that you you sort of either put to one side or your own feelings about okay how do I manage this how do I cope with feeling okay and so I think it it, it becomes a much more moment by moment practice than a sort of you know I think you can get on with get or get away with a lot of stuff when you are busy and I think busyness is a great mask for, for so much but when you're busy but also very confronted with the reality of, the, of, of your immediate surroundings and there's nowhere to escape to and you haven't got colleagues you can just stop and have a chat with I think yeah in in order to really tap into that resilience there is a bit about going actually I need I do need to ask for help with this I do need to make it known that I'm or let people know how I'm feeling that I'm in this situation and I need to know how how those around me are feeling too and I, and again I'll go back I think that's such you know that the people I I feel have have managed better or the workplaces I think have managed better in this situation have been the ones where the conversations have been really open um and there's been an acknowledgement that sometimes you have to drop the pace or you have to let someone just take take the time they need um so I think in some ways it's done wonders for our openness about conversations around that sort of that mental health and resilience too it's amazing to hear that some organizations have been doing that um and I know from my clients the ones that are coping the best are the ones that are a lot more honest about how it's affecting them and mm -hmm. the many different ways that it's affecting them as well so yeah and I'm really glad to hear you say that resilience, um, part of that is knowing when to ask for help, because that can be seen as such a weakness. And I suppose if you're dealing with a lot of leaders and people who aspire to be leaders, that asking for help must be quite challenging for some of them. 
Absolutely. I think in some ways it's probably the, the I mean, yeah, the, one of the biggest stumbling blocks people come across. And in the way, it's the thing that is most likely to lead to collapse because actually there is, it's this sort of um, feeling that I should be able to cope, I should be able to manage. How can I be a leader if I'm not? How, what sort of example is that setting? Um, what does that, and going back to that sort of damaging narrative, what does that say about me? I'm failing in some way. I should be the one holding it all together. But I think people respond, they respond to honesty. And I think, you know, I often get my clients to turn the table around and say, well, what if somebody came to you and this is what they said? And they'd be like, oh my gosh, no, of course, I would do this to help them. I would, you know, absolutely, you know, totally support them I'm like so so how is it that you can do that for for others but it feels impossible to do that for you knowing meanwhile also knowing that that is what is probably going to allow you to perform best as a leader in this situation to be able to say right stop I need a pause I need a break or this is going on for me right now you know let, let's find a way to navigate that and I think you know I, I really think that sort of that honesty without necessarily you know I think there's always a line you don't want to sort of you're not trying to you don't have to share everything about your life you don't always have to you know and it's you also don't want to project how you're feeling onto all of those around you and have them then <laughs> sort of feeling they've got to carry you but I think an honest conversation is really important. Yeah, I think there's something really powerful by being able to say, I'm struggling at the moment, but I'm getting the help I need. Mm. I think that's a really key way of taking control of it and being able to communicate to others. Because yes, you don't necessarily want to spend the whole of your working time during lockdown complaining about how lockdown is really bad. Uh, because I th you'll probably find that everybody else agrees. Um, but being able to say, I'm struggling today, I'm not at my best, and I'm going to go do something about that, to me just sounds like such a strong position to take no definitely I think you know and there's a lot talked to I think about sort of vulnerability in leadership and how important that is and I think often again vulnerability is a word that can be misconstrued and it can be seen as either a sign of weakness or a sign that you've got to share everything about your life that actually you know I've got to tell you all the story about everything that's gone on for me and therefore you know that's me being vulnerable but I think you know, in a way, it comes back to that feeling, that thing about, you know, actually being vulnerable is being human. It's about can I connect with you on the level of a as a human being, not just as a role in the in the organisation as my position. And I think if you can show that humanity, if you can show that empathy, that understanding, but also show, you know, that you're not a perfect, unflawed individual and you've got your own stuff going on, too. But like you said, that, that, that you're also looking for ways to manage that. I think that's amazing modelling as a leader. I think that's that's really powerful. Um, and I think it creates a much stronger platform to work for, you know, for teams and for the organisation as a whole. It's funny, um, previously you said the word should and the way people think they should be. Uh, for people who listen to my podcast regularly, they'll know that the word should is banned from my vocabulary. And I don't tolerate <laughs> and it's always a funny conversation to have with clients when we talk about the word should and where it comes from and whose rules they seem to be following so I'm glad you brought that up in a in a negative way because um it can cause so many problems oh completely and yeah I mean 
should is a fascinating word and I mean I constantly catch myself out saying it too <laughs> so but I always know that it it's at the times when I'm feeling most under stress that I notice all the shoulds creeping into my vocabulary so again I think it you know it's coming back to shining that light on going okay who's where is this this narrative coming from that is making you feel that there is a right way to be or a right way to exist or that something should should be happening how do you give yourself permission to step away from that I suppose um and going okay well you know <laughs> maybe somebody says somewhere says I should be but actually right now this is what I can do um and that's okay so it's I think a lot of it is giving yourself permission sometimes to step back yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I, I absolutely love doing with clients, if they're the right kind of person, it's not always for everyone, but almost developing a bit of a subversive attitude to things like shoulds. So becoming a bit more of a rule breaker when it comes to the, the rules you make up in your head. That's always quite a fun way of um, getting people to think about it differently. Being a bit of a rebel, I like it. <laughs> the other thing that I really liked that you brought up was this idea of how would you treat a friend in that situation? Um, because one of the things that I've been looking into a lot recently is self-compassion and how we are much better at demonstrating compassion to other people than we are to ourselves. So that mindset of how would you treat a friend if they were dealing with the same thing, to me is a really, really powerful tool that people can use to rethink how they're communicating with themselves. Yeah, no, I think that's so true. And I think it's interesting because self-care and self-compassion are often, you know, when people talk to them, it's obviously like, well, you know, have a bubble bath or <laughs> have a bar of chocolate or a glass of wine or, you know, go and watch some TV. That, that's self-care. But actually, like you said, it's, you know, it's actually thinking about how you treat yourself. What's, you know, notice knowing what matters to you knowing what is important to you and then allowing that to be a priority um because i think often we put ourselves so far down the priority list in terms of all the other needs whether it's at work and the needs that are you know the demands that are made us of us in terms of productivity whether it's home you know whatever aspect of our lives there can be need coming from all aspects from all that different areas um and I think it's only when we start to prioritize ourselves and our own needs um, that actually, like you said, the should spend start, I think, sometimes to disappear as well, because it becomes about, OK, what do I need to be able to function healthily in this environment? And and that will fluctuate on, a, you know, a day by day, you know sometimes we feel okay sometimes we feel able to to manage really high stress high pressure situations sometimes we're called to do that and we can step up and certainly you know in my previous life there were times where you really couldn't take your foot off the pedal but then it's also recognizing when it's okay to go okay that was really intense that was really high pressure I do need to I do need to find some time to prioritize my needs now and to get back to a place where I can function and you know to get back to that place so I think yeah I think I think that's that's really important I think it ties into self-esteem it ties into the way that we feel about ourselves and we value ourselves and therefore how we can show up for others as well yeah absolutely it all becomes very interlinked and interwoven and all of these things kind of play off against each other 
I'm, I'm glad that you made the distinction between self-care, not just being about bubble baths and things like that. I mean, by all means, have a bubble bath if it's something that you enjoy. <laughs> have your bubble bath, right? <laughs> <laughs> but self-care really does have to be a much more in-depth thing than just doing something mm. nice for ourselves in a moment. It kind of has to be an ongoing uh, assessment of how much we care about ourselves, really. Um, so, yes, it's a much deeper thing than just consuming something nice. Yeah. And I think it's like you said right at the start, it's about actually do how can I say no? How can I push back? You know, whether that's in the home, whether it's in work, actually, when do I say it's enough? This needs to stop. I need some space for myself or I need time to think or I need a break. Um, and if we're not able to build that, you know, I often <laughs> sort of feel that, you know, it's very rare that because everybody is so not for any malicious reasons, but people are busy and involved in their own lives. Um, so actually it is sort of up to us, I think, to step up and go wreck and start to try and recognize that in ourselves. That doesn't mean, like I was saying before, that it's not then about what support networks we can access to enable us to do it. Um, but I do think that very step is, is somewhere within us being able to go, okay, recognizing that we might have a need even if we can't necessarily identify at that point what it is and then exploring ways to be able to sort of put our hands up and go okay I need I need to create some boundaries I need to create some barriers because because that's important because that is a priority too. One of the aspects of my work that I really enjoy doing is assertiveness training and usually depending on what the client wants to achieve but usually it's about learning how to say no in a nice, obviously, um, polite and firm way that suits them and the person that they are. And one of the key things that we find very challenging and we have to really kind of help people understand is that you can still be a really nice person, uh, but say no occasionally. And actually part of being a nice person is being able to identify when doing something is gonna be detrimental to you. No, definitely. I and mean, I think, you know, I think there's a cultural aspect to that as well. I think, um, you know, there's often, I know my husband who's Australian has much less problems sometimes saying no. Than, um, but I think it, when, and it will be different. I mean, I think there is a gendered aspect to this too. I think Often women are or girls are raised to be nice, to be polite, to not, not sort of ruffle feathers, to not step out of line, to, to enable and support people. And I think and it's and it's always interesting, I think, having conversations around sort of mental health and resilience, because it's a, absolutely you've got to support your team. But sometimes bit supporting people means setting boundaries. It means actually saying no that is the kind thing to do um like you said it's not necessarily about you know being mean or being you know being cruel but it is about sometimes being direct it is about being respectful of the need to, to have boundaries and you know when it's the same as sort of when you're working with clients and actually you know <laughs> The, the fact that you have time boundaries around your sessions, that there are boundaries about how you contact people in and out of hours and that sort of thing. It's all about actually, you know, that those are important too, because it's about then I can best support you if, if these, these boundaries are there. And I think the, the same is 
for us with, within work and personal lives as well. Boundaries are incredibly important. Yeah, absolutely. It's very much about protecting yourself from kind of being taken advantage of, but also burning out and not having the energy to then do other aspects of your work or even other aspects of your life properly. Um, and often the clients that I get that come in and they tell me they want to work on stress and it's because they're bringing their work home with them. And of course, we kind of talk about it a lot more deeply and really it ends up being about boundaries because they're just taking on too much and it's stressing them out. And when it affects their home life, it affects their relationships, it's really starting to have such a negative impact that it's not even helping anyone anymore at all. Completely. And I think this is it. Again, it comes down to sort of, I guess, supporting people to reframe that and see that as actually the way that they are able to best support their families, the way they are best able to, to act in a, you know, supportively in a team is by being able to, to, to manage their own health, to be able to manage their own, um, their own space and to have those boundaries set um, and that but then that does allow you to support other people because you know I think one of I mean I'm always saying it to clients as well you know you you can't pour from an empty cup if you are depleted if you are low energy if you are strung out and pulled in a million different directions actually it's really really hard then <laughs> to be you know and then the shoulds come in but I should be doing this I should be helping this person I should be there for this friend you call me you're like actually if your if your energy is so low that you're spinning in circles actually you can't help anybody else um so yeah I think it's about recognizing that for ourselves and I think it's about recognizing it for for others as well that you know go back to actually if you are leading people if you are managing people then actually recognizing their need to say no and have boundaries is really important too and I think that's something that we should be encouraging. Yeah absolutely there's no point being a leader that expects too much of other people um, because you'll probably just alienate everybody that works with you and for you. Absolutely and it comes down to you know a lot of a lot of things are done in the name of productivity that are actually totally counter to it um, but it's not about the, the amount that you manage to do but it's about the quality that you manage to to deliver and sometimes that really does mean pairing back on what on the amount and, and what you're expecting of people so yeah um, but it's a tricky balance I think you know if all of this was easy then you know people wouldn't struggle with it but I think it, it's a lifetime's work in the end it's constantly revisiting and you know stress goes up and down and what's expected of us and our lives change at different stages um, and I think sometimes it's just about actually recognizing when that is building beyond a manageable level and being able to either just you know say stop or reach out for help or think about the other things that you have in your toolbox that help you um but yeah not and I think it's about again comes back to that pressure of there's no such things as resilient individuals and not resilient <laughs> individuals it's not a you know it's not an embedded character trait that you can't do anything about it's about actually how you manage and adapt to all the challenges that are thrown at you. Yeah, amazing. I love the fact that you allude to it being kind of a lifetime work in progress, really, because it, it very much feels to me like that's the case. The more we can learn about ourselves and practice different techniques and try different things and explore what works for us in different situations, then the more we can learn over time. I think there's many people that are quite surprised how much support that therapists get um, outside of the therapy that they do with clients. 
and I find it quite reassuring to be honest that there's such a culture in therapy of having your own therapist and doing your own work on yourself um, because I really do think that that is necessary um, for people to help other people. Absolutely and I think you know if your work is with you know, in supporting other people in, you know, from a psychological perspective, then absolutely you need that support too. If you don't get support, you don't have somewhere to go with, actually the risk is you project your stuff into other people and, you know, you take on their, you know, you know when you're working with people who have, you know, who are struggling with certain challenges, then often you will get their projections that that's just how we work. And so, yeah, it, again coming down to sort of boundaries but having a place to process and reflect on that um yeah I think is is hugely important and I think it's also important sort of outside of a, a therapeutic setting as well I think it in, a, in you know a normal workplace I think a lot of the times why leaders struggle is because they haven't got anywhere to go with what they're managing and what they're having to deal with and often they're in a position that they've got there due to the competence that they're <laughs> in their particular field and suddenly they're in charge of people um, and, it, and it can feel really lonely. It can feel like, you know, I'm, I'm expected to be able to manage this. I'm expected to know what I'm doing. And actually, you know, sometimes it just feels overwhelming. And that's where I think having a coach can be so important because actually it does give you somewhere to go and reflect and, you know, have a safe space to be able to explore that too. Yeah, I know for myself and my husband, because we run our own company um, and we run our own clinic as well as working within our clinic, certainly at the beginning, there was this sense of, and because we were quite young as well, there was almost this sense of we had to pretend to be, you know, proper business owners. And we had to be like, we knew what we were doing all of the time. And we had a, a clear plan and everything had to be a certain way. And we should be achieving these things and we should be doing this. And it was a real learning curve for us in the early years to actually realise that that's not really that beneficial to anyone that is involved in the business. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. And this, this idea that everybody is sort of, you're learning and you're growing as you're going along and nobody, nobody's got it all sorted in the end. It's just about, like you said, the more you know yourself, the more you know the things that work for you, the you know, more you know the triggers and the stresses and the things that are really going to impact you, you know, the more you're able to sort of, create come up with strategies that help create support networks that you know are important to you and know who are the people who are really gonna help in those situations as well so I think you you develop in a way a, a sort of a, a personalized toolkit of strategies that that can help but that are never going to take away you know I think you know one of the things I talk about quite a lot with clients is that you know resilience and confidence they're not about not feeling they're not about getting rid of that stress they're not about getting rid of those feelings of, of challenge of difficulty of feeling uncomfortable and there are times when everyone is going to feel really low it's not about avoiding those it's about knowing that when that happens that somewhere you'll be able to manage and it's also being able to really sit with those difficult feelings and thinking you know, it's not unique to me that I'm feeling this, that actually this is this is what happens when this sort of situation happens. Um, and I know I'm going to go through this experience and I know it's going to feel really, really tough. And sometimes I've just got to sit with that. 
and that's okay it's okay to feel because I think sometimes there there is a sense that people feel or people expect that actually if they were more resilient if they were more able to cope then they wouldn't be feeling like they are um so I think yeah part of it is like you said just that if you can know yourself and know the things that help then that's then that's a going a long way to be able to support you when it really hurts but it's but it's ongoing it's it's not just employing them when things are tough it's it's using them all time and practicing them all the time um and, that, and that's the hard work in the end yeah absolutely practicing when times are good and getting support and help and growing when times are good I think is definitely something that is massively overlooked by people because um, it's it's very easy to say you need help when you're really struggling um, but to get the kind of coaching or support or practice the things that you know work for you when things are going well can sometimes be a bit of a challenge and actually that's something that I have to remember as well quite a lot. Completely no I'm exactly the same I think it's it's you know the, and it's about how you continue to prioritize that, I think, when, like you said, when it's all going fine and when you're getting on and it, your work feels manageable and everything feels like it's sort of going reasonably okay, then, you know, it, it, it can feel okay, well, I'm not going to do this today or I'm, you know, whether it's, you know, I know for me, I, it's things like mindfulness and yoga are really important because they help just give me a place to go to I know they're the first thing that drops if I'm feeling like you know I'm fine I don't need this today um so it's it is it's about recognizing that those things are important and, and trying to carve a space for them and also not punishing yourselves if you if you do you know if it does drop out for a bit um going back to the shoulds like you know <laughs> there's an awful lot of shoulds around how you create a you know a healthy mind and I think it's about going okay so I haven't done that for a while but I know that helps maybe I'll go back there and see if that that makes a difference um, yeah it's quite a key thing of the mindfulness teaching that I take clients through um, is when you notice something has gone wrong or you've forgotten something it's all about calmly accepting the fact and then going back and redoing whatever it was that at that point you started to notice that it dropped off so that kind of calmly noticing calmly accepting the fact and then do something about it is quite a key part of kind of living mindfully as well as practicing mindfulness. Completely, yeah. Again, you know, it's it's catching yourself in the moment sometimes and going, okay, yeah, I need to just take a little pause here, or maybe this is, you know, I, I just need to, I need to have a break or need to go back to that place right now, and I need to build it back in because you know, often it'll be that things start to unravel a little bit, and then you think. Oh, what was missing well, I haven't done that in a while I haven't you know whether it's like going for daily walks whether it is like I said whether it's mindfulness whether it is you know there are hundreds of different things that we can do to help ourselves that we enjoy that make ourselves feel better and healthier um and it's finding the strategy that works for you and then it's yeah recognizing often I know for me that when things start to feel like they're unraveling a bit it's because there's something that I've not done for a while <laughs> um and that yeah go, going back to that place okay all right <laughs> I recognize that maybe I just and sometimes catching yourself a moment going right this is not helping staring at the computer screen trying to figure this out I'm going to press pause I'm going to go and have a cup of tea or I'm going to go you know walk down the road and get some fresh air whatever it is you know uh, going back I think to what we discussed right at the, that sort of at the beginning it's about being able to catch yourself in the moment sometimes and just go okay 
what can I do to reset this? What can I do to reframe this? Does that, do I just need a pause right now? Well, I feel like we've covered um, a huge amount of really, <laughs> really interesting and useful stuff. So I know that both of us could probably talk about this for hours. So I'm going to say at this point, thank you very much for your time. <laughs> uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And where can people find out more about you? So um, I'm, I'm on social media. I'm at, so if you go to resiliencework.co.uk, that's my website. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at resilience at work. Um, I've got a Facebook group, the Everyday Adventure Club. So if you're interested in sort of everyday adventures and how to to live more adventurously in your in your everyday life and then do check us out there um but yeah i'd love to love to hear from people and you know connect with people as well thank you for listening to this week's episode make sure you subscribe to this podcast for notifications on future episodes and if you have the time to write a quick review then that would be greatly appreciated To find out more about me and the work that I do, please head to www.anxietytoconfidence.com. That's the number two, anxietytoconfidence.com.